Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This week, we will hear from Pastor Matt Blankenship on a new normal will require certainty. Now here is Pastor Matt. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Daylight Savings Sunday. Are you happy to have slept a little longer today? I know I am. I expect a lot of extra amens and hanky-waving from you all today, all right? Because you should be like awake, ready to rumble, all right? Thank you for waving. Oh, you're waving candy at me, Pastor Rick. Thank you. That's fantastic. Candy will do too. Well, I want to just follow up with our video announcements real quick to echo what we've asked you to do, and that is when we come together, we say we gather to worship and we gather to serve. So we're making an appeal for uh, serving uh, for Christmas, uh, but on top of that, uh, really every week, each and every week, we, to, when we come together, we come together to worship the Lord, and we come together to serve each other and those that would come in and, and that don't know the Lord yet as their personal Savior. I mean, that is, that is one of God's calls to us in our lives as believers. So I'd encourage you to really check that out online and look at ways that you are able to serve. Speaking of serving as well, we have some that we really want to honor this morning and give special attention to who have served uh, us and our country with uh, great valor and honor, and that would be any of our veterans. Uh, This is Veterans Day week, uh, so we'd like to observe it today. So if you're a veteran, you have served our country, would you stand? And we want to give you a big Portland Christian Center family. Thank you. Uh, All of our veterans, would you stand? We love you, and we are so grateful to you. Thank you for how you have served. And veterans, go ahead and stay standing, because I'm going to ask everyone to stand with you, so that way you don't have to sit down and stand back up. Stand with me. Grab your Bibles uh, in hand or your Bible apps, whatever you're looking at today. You can also reference the big Bible in the sky here in a moment. And uh, turn in your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 5. We are going to start today's message with some reading of the word, Joshua 5, and we're going to be in verse 13 to start. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Lord, today uh, we recognize we are in your presence, a holy place. Lord, we ask that you speak to us through your word as your word promises us. There's something more than just the reading of a book, but when it is your word, it enters into us in a unique way, deep into our minds, into our very souls. So Lord, today, would you speak to each person that is here on an individual level, that which you want them to hear, and the transformation process that you want to take place in their lives. And would you also do that for us as a church corporately? We love you, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated this morning. We're in a series called The New Normal. And in this series, we're exploring what it looks like for the people of God to walk into a new normal for their lives. We're looking at a scriptural example of the people of God, the Israelites, and they're entering into the promised land. They're entering into their new normal as led by Joshua. So it's been 40 years. They've been wandering in the desert. 
They've been in the wilderness and Joshua is now leading the people into what God has for them. But first, there's gonna be a little bit of a fight to get there. And as Joshua closes in on Jericho and he gets to a point where he can see the city and the walls and all that's before him, he no doubt remembers what he saw 40 years ago as a younger spy who is checking out the land before Israel would take it. He might be wondering, how do we do this? He might be wondering, is this such a good idea after all? And why would he be wondering that? Well, for one, Jericho was a garrison city. What that means is it was set up as a blockade. It was designed to stop the, any army that would invade from the east into this land. It was inhabited by Amorites. And so the idea would be you'd have this huge menacing city and wall and an army would come up to it and they would be stopped. They'd be held at bay. And while they fight at this city, the other kings of the land could rally their forces. They could come down. They could fight off the army that was there. And to really understand what Joshua is facing, I think it's good for us to get an idea of what I'd say most archaeologists and, uh, and theologians would say, this is the kind of wall, this is what it would look like uh, at Jericho. So um, what, what archaeologists have discovered as, they, as they've done digging around the site is there would have been like a retaining wall that they come to first that had another wall built on top of that. And then you can see this kind of slope uh, that, is, uh, that you would then have to move up and then you'd find another wall. So when you put all of the walls together, you've got a menacing roughly 75 feet of wall that you have to get over. And even if you made it over the first wall, you'd be going up the, the grassy knoll there and you'd have the army you know, waylaying you with uh, arrows and rocks and spears and whatever else that they wanted to throw down to stop you. And so it was heavily fortified. Why explain this? Why understand this? I think it's so that we can understand how impossible this feat would have been without God. To enter the new normal, you'll face impossibilities that on your own are insurmountable and anxiety-inducing of the worst kind. And Joshua had seen this before. Remember, this isn't his first time viewing the city. Numbers 13, 28 would be one place where we get uh, a picture of that when he first went in and spied out the land. And now Joshua is here 40 years later and he faces the obstacle again. Have you ever looked at an obstacle and then you had time to think about all the ramifications of that obstacle? You maybe thought, how can I get over this? How can I get around this? How can I just go through this? Maybe you looked at the obstacle or you're looking at the obstacle and, and you're afraid. You're, you're terrified. You don't know what to do. Maybe you look at the obstacle and you're the kind of person that's just inspired by a challenge. And you're like, I, I love, I'm going to take that challenge. In any case, sometimes we get a glimpse of God's future for us. And when we do, we can either dwell on it ourselves and we can let nature take its course in our minds, in our hearts, let circumstances play out, or we can give it to the Lord in prayer and we can see what he'll do with it. Right. Remember, 40 years before this point, there were 12 spies. They went in, 10 of them brought back a negative report. They panicked, they complained, they rallied others to their cause and fear. And all those who joined the cause and fear, an entire generation, the Bible says, and, and these 10 spies, they did not get to go into the promised land. They didn't inherit it. They, they actually all died. That's why they spent 40 years in the wilderness, so that generation could die. They didn't make it. The two that had faith that God would take them through the obstacle, Joshua and Caleb, here they are now, 40 years later, as strong as ever, and they're ready to fight. 
Incidentally, Joshua and Caleb would both be 80 years old at this point. So for those of you in here who are in the, you know, the 80s, like you still got it in you, all right? I just want to encourage you. Who's ready for a little Jericho? All right. So in this moment, what does Joshua need? He needs some certainty. He needs confirmation. He needs strength and he needs courage. He needs to see the situation like God sees it and not just like man can see it. He doesn't need a good idea. He needs a God idea. And some of you here this morning are facing a Jericho. It could be a physical obstacle. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's disease. Could be something that's mental or emotional. Maybe great anxiety. Maybe, maybe an issue you're dealing with in your own mind and soul. Maybe it's spiritual in nature. Maybe it's an issue with family and you're trying to figure something out between you and your spouse or your kids or your grandkids and you don't know what to do. You need a divine solution to a human problem. And that's where Joshua found himself here in scripture. And to get that solution, you're gonna need to see, not with human vision, but with godly vision. You're gonna need to see as God sees to get that kind of certainty. When I think about heavenly vision, a scripture that comes to mind is Proverbs 29, 18. And in the English Standard Version, it reads like this, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. The message puts it this way, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. You know, God wants you to have a sense of what he's doing. He doesn't want it to be a great secret from you, nor does he keep it from you. And without this sense of what God's doing, it's kind of like the Bible says you stumble all over yourself. It's kind of like watching a middle schooler grow into their body, right? Like some of us have observed this. Any middle schoolers in here, you're going through this right now, right? Your feet get big before anything else. Your legs get longer and you're trying to figure stuff out. You're tripping over the stairs. You're, you're, trying, to, you're trying to figure out, but you're stumbling all over yourself. Or remember watching your toddler go through this, right? There's a reason they're called toddlers, because they toddle. I think that's a word. This is a picture of Hunter, this is my oldest. Um, and, and if he's in here, I'm sure he's mortally embarrassed right now. Um, but this is one of the points in Hunter's life where at the age of toddler, his forehead ran into something that was harder than his forehead. And it left him with a little bit of a mark, as you can see. And it seemed like there was a season in the boy's life, Hunter and Hayden, and maybe parents, grandparents, you can attest to this too, where every day there was a new bump, there was a new scrape, there was a new cut, even to the point I remember uh, the boys would come home from their childcare, they'd have that little slip of paper from the teacher that said like, hey, today was great, and, and today Hunter learned his alphabet, and he has a scrape, and we didn't do it, you know, like, <laughs> it was because it was he just fell down, he was learning how to walk, and every parent's like, yeah, I know, I know, he didn't do it, it's okay. We stumble all over ourselves as we learn to see and to walk and to figure things out. The truth is that God isn't hiding what he's doing from you. He wants you to see it, but we have to pay attention. What does the scripture say? We have to attend to what he reveals. And when we do, we're most blessed. And, and isn't that what you want? Not just to be blessed, but to be most blessed. Vision's not what I think needs to be done. Vision's not where I say we need to go. Vision is seeing what God is doing. And the question is never, is God doing something or is God up to something? A better question would be, what is God doing and can I see it? 
So how do we develop a spiritual vision that allows us to live with certainty, seeing what God is doing? Well, I'll share a couple observations from this passage with you. The first would be this, if you're taking notes, write down, spiritual vision comes when we submit to God's purpose. Spiritual vision comes when we submit to God's purpose. Joshua 6 is right around the corner. What's Joshua 6? It's one of the most epic Bible stories of all time. It's the one we all remember. It's the one we sang Sunday school songs about. And even someone who is uh, not well-versed in the Bible would know if you said, oh yeah, the walls of Jericho are coming down. I mean, a lot of people would kind of be with you that, yeah, that means a big wall is coming down. It's such a great story. It's even steeped into culture. But to get to Joshua 6, you got to have Joshua 5. Why? Because it's in times in God's presence that set us up, set our lives up for victory and what God wants to do in the days and the weeks to come in your life. Look at Joshua 5.13. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and he looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with drawn sword in his hand. So he lifted up his eyes and he looked. What's the author doing here? Why do we have two instances of What seems to be vision? Well, the author's saying there's a physical action, lifting up of the eyes, and then there's a spiritual action. There's a a spiritual looking that's going on here on Joshua's part. It's kind of like the difference between hearing and listening. On our own, normal circumstances, we hear, right? Physiological response, sound enters into our little ear hole and we hear it. But there's a difference between hearing and listening, right? There's a difference between hearing and and then processing and and making it our own. Probably best illustrated, gentlemen, by the difference between hearing and listening to your wife, right? Because there's a difference. Ladies, am I right? Is there a difference between hearing and listening? So hearing, for me, this is what it looks like at my house. I'll be working on a project in the garage, doing something. Sarah comes in and starts talking to me, and I continue with what I'm doing, and and I hear her. And then at some point she says, are you listening to me? And then I repeat back what she said verbatim because I heard it. But for some reason, that's never good enough, right? Like it's, it's not okay. And, and so as I repeat it back to her and I look at her, I can see that it's just not okay, right? Like the, the body language, the eyes, everything tells me. I mean, ladies, what do you want? You want us to hear and you want us to listen, right? You want, you want the full package deal. You want engagement. You want it in our head and you want it in our heart. And you want us to say, I'm, I'm hanging on every word, baby. I'm just, I'm right there with you, right? At least you want, that's how you want it to come across. And who can blame you? You want us to listen, Who's done this incorrectly in their life? Okay, this guy right here. So what's Joshua doing here? He's looking at Jericho and he's trying to figure out how to take it. Also likely, he's looking at Jericho and he's praying, God, how do I do this? Now the scripture doesn't say that he's praying, so why would I make that assumption? Well, I I would make it because all through Joshua's leadership upbringing, the last 40 years of his life, What does the Bible say that he would do very, very often? He would go into the tent of meeting with Moses. The presence of God would rest on the tent. So he'd be in God's presence. God would say, this is what we're going to do. Moses would go out to tell the people. And where would Joshua be? He'd stay in the tent. Scripture says he'd stay in the presence of God. So for 40 years, Joshua learned how to be in the presence of God and listen to God's purposes in his life. 
So undoubtedly, Joshua is going, how do I do this? God, how do I do it? So we know he's a man of prayer. And as he looks at the city and he figures out how he can topple it, and he no doubt prays, what happens next? Behold, scripture says, I mean like, look, watch, it's happening, it's quick, don't miss this. A man appears before him with a sword drawn in his hand. Have you ever been maybe praying, lost in thought, Someone comes into your peripheral vision and you realize it all of a sudden and it's a little bit startling. Or maybe uh, you're like kind of half sleeping and your nine-year-old comes in the room and like hovers over you like a, you know, total murderer. And, uh, and you're like there in bed and you know someone's there. You don't want to open your eyes, but you know someone's there. You can just sense it. You wake up and there they are, right? Like, dad, I need a drink of water. You know, whatever. This is like that. Obviously, this man is ready for battle because he has a sword drawn in his hand. What's not obvious though? It's not obvious that he's a spiritual being. He's not wearing white clothes. There's no choir of angels behind him. He's not shining. He's not 20 feet tall. He's wearing regular clothes and he's got a sword drawn. So much so is it not obvious he's a spiritual being that Joshua has to go up to him and ask him a question. Joshua 5, 13 and 14. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no. All right, so a few, a few things here that catch my attention. One, remember early in Joshua's life, what was God's primary message to Joshua as a future leader of the people? Be strong and courageous, Right? Be very strong and courageous. Joshua, be strong and very courageous. It came several different ways, several different times. And you get the sense that after 40 years, that that's what's happened. Joshua has become strong and courageous because he stands before this man who just appeared with sword drawn in his hand. And what does he do? Does he run away? Does he panic? Does he he have a little freak out moment? No, the Bible says he went to him. What does he do? He's sizing up the situation. He walks right up to the guy and he says, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And the man says, no. I mean, like apparently God wasn't in the mood for more than one question at a time that day, right? All all you're getting is one word answers. It's like when when you say to someone, well, do you like green or blue? And they're like, yes. (laughs) It's like, which is it? Well, in this moment, it's kind of important for Joshua. Joshua 5, 14, and he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. Who's Joshua talking to? I believe he's talking to the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Why? Well, one, uh, he would in a moment bow down and worship this being, and this being would allow the worship to happen. And what happens every other time in scripture when someone attempts to worship an angel, the angel says, no, 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 you need to worship God, unless that being is God. Additionally, who does the man say that he is? He says he's the commander of the army of the Lord. Where else do we see in scripture that title ascribed to? Who is the God of angel armies? It's Jesus. Jesus is the God of angel armies and Jesus showed up before Joshua to give him spiritual sight. Joshua 5:14, and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and he worshiped him and said, what does my Lord say to his servant? It's so interesting to me that Jesus here doesn't reveal whose side he's on right off the bat. Why is that significant? Well, I think most profoundly, this interaction reflects how most of us approach God. God, 
can you be on my side? God, will you help me with my problem? God, will you work out my stuff? God, will you come to my rescue? God, I don't understand why this isn't working out for me. I mean, whose side are you on anyway? But the reality is that it's not God's job to take a side. It's your job to follow God. Look, Jesus isn't interested in following us around all day. What does the theologically accurate bumper sticker say? If God is your co-pilot, then you're sitting in the wrong seat. And at Jericho, God has a new normal plan for Joshua and for the Israelites. And in order to walk into it, they need to find out what God is doing and get on track with what God is doing instead of asking God to get on track with them. And in your life, God has a new normal for you. And to realize it, you'll need to find out what God is up to and ride his coattails instead of asking God to ride yours. So now Joshua does what any person would do in the presence of God and with an understanding that God's plan is higher than the priority of man, he worships and he asks, what does my Lord say to my servant? Let me ask you something this morning. Are you more concerned with winning your Jericho than being in the presence of God and doing what he wants you to do with your life? You know, for all of us here today, the best thing for you to do to get the answers and experience the breakthrough that you need is not hitting the books. It's not hitting up your boss. It's hitting your knees in prayer each and every single time. This is why the Wednesday night prayer gathering is the most important meeting of the week. And that's why I say it that way, because it is the most important time of the week. This is why seeing like God sees demands that we pray and we know God's will and then we submit to that will. It's a meeting between you and God and who better to submit to than the one who knows it all anyway. So Joshua one, he submits to God's purpose. If you wanna see with certainty, you're gonna need to submit to God's purpose. A second observation is that spiritual vision comes from being in God's presence. So we need to submit to God's purpose. We also need to spend time in God's presence. Joshua 5:15. And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, "Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place you are standing is holy." And Joshua did so. Why would the sandals come off? Well, this is not unfamiliar to us, right? We see God ask this of Moses when he's in God's presence at the burning bush. And I think one of the ideas in the sandals coming off is is the idea to make you more sensitive to what's going on around you. I think God asks this of us as he wants to do something supernatural in our lives. Uh, what do you do when you're in the wilderness, put yourself in Moses or Joshua's situation? Where are you? You're, you're out in like the forest. You're, you're in the desert and, and, and you're told, take off your sandals, the one thing protecting your feet. And what are you gonna do? You're probably gonna be a little more sensitive to what's going on around you at that moment. I mean, if you're in your house and, and you got bare feet, no big deal, right? And then you say, I'm gonna go out and get the mail. I don't need my slippers. And so you walk down the sidewalk, you go down the driveway and it gets pretty rocky. And by the time, I don't know about you, when I get to my mailbox, I'm walking like I'm on like a bed of nails. Uh, my feet are super sensitive. I mean, I'm a total wuss. Uh, and, and it changes the way that I walk. Or maybe you go down to the playroom to see the kids and you're like, oh, that carpet's gonna be so nice. And then you find a World War II landmine layout of Legos. And you're gonna walk like 
a little more carefully because nothing hurts more than stepping on a Lego. And we all know it's true. It's the same with the spiritual things that God wants to do in our lives. So we, we need to become more sensitive to what God is doing around us. Additionally, the taking off of the sandals is part of God's consecration or setting apart for Joshua. We talked about this a few weeks ago, Pastor Bill did. Consecration is preparation for the supernatural. Every single time. What did Joshua and the people of Israel hear from the Lord just a few days before as they were gonna cross the Jordan? Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do a great thing. What's the biblical pattern before God does something great in our lives? People get in the presence of God. Get in the presence of God. Set yourself apart from the world. Be with God. There's something about getting in his presence that causes us to pause, that strengthens our hearts and our minds, that sets us at ease and puts us at peace, that prepares us to receive what God wants to say and what he wants to do in you. This is why worship's so important in your life on a regular basis. This is why we start all of our gatherings with worship. Frankly, it's solely for this reason, because we want to put our hearts in a position of being in God's presence. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put myself in your presence. This is why, I mean, listen, this is not just a pastor thing. It's important that you get to church on time and you're here for the worship. Not just because I really want our worship team to feel validated. <laughs> they, they do a great job. But you need to get in the presence of God. You're, about to, you're going in, you're saying, you know what, I want to listen to the word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear the preaching. Man, I hope it's good. I'm going I'm to listen to what God has to say through scripture today. And before you do, don't you think you should get in God's presence? That's what the Bible's telling us here. Consecrate yourself first. Get in the presence of God. Winning your battles is not nearly as important as being in God's presence. Because there are some battles that without God's presence, you'll never win anyway. We're talking about spiritual things here. They need spiritual solutions. More than your intelligence, more than your creativity, more than your ingenuity, they require God's intervention. Why? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers principalities of a dark world. That's why daily being in his presence is so valuable. It's in his presence that we gain insight, understanding, a sense of timing. I can't tell you how many times I've just put on worship music in the morning to do some of my morning routine. And in those moments, uh, God gives clarity or insight on something. Maybe you've experienced this. You've, you've been in a worship setting here at church, at your home, in your car. You've been praying about something. You've been seeking God about something. And, and of all times, not when you were saying, God, give me an answer, but when you're worshiping the Lord, a moment of clarity comes your way. Insight comes your way. A thought, that's how I'm gonna do that. Says God speaks to us when we consecrate ourselves and we get in his presence and we spend time in worship. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we see what is seen. Yes, we, we, put our, we, we can see the physical world, but we are to put extra focus on the spiritual. 
because the spiritual realm is more important and more influential than the physical one. The spiritual realm influences the physical realm far more than the other way around. And it's important that we remember that as Christ followers. Chapter six is coming. A spiritual solution to a physical problem. Some of you are seeking an answer today in what is seen when the best solution is unseen and you won't be able to see it until you get in God's presence and you spend time worshiping him and calling out to him and waiting for his answer. And that kind of an exercise takes faith because what I'm saying doesn't, doesn't make sense on the surface on face value, but it makes sense to the person who believes that God will actually do something amazing in their lives. You, you've got to believe it, that he's going to do something amazing. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We live by faith, not by sight. So we don't live by what we see. We live by what we believe. And if you rely on what only your eyes can see, you're going to miss a lot of what God has for you. You'll miss important parts of the new normal that he's preparing for you. What does faith help you with in this scenario? I think one of the biggest things is faith helps us in understanding the power of God, that when God speaks, he makes something from nothing. Look at Hebrews 11.3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. I've got news for you. The universe wasn't formed on accident. It didn't happen on its own. It was created. It was created in an instant. And it was created no less by a spoken word from God who said, and there it was. God violates the laws of thermodynamics. He makes something from nothing. And in your life, you might be looking for something and you can't see how it will materialize. And you might even be discouraged about that, but don't be because God can make something out of nothing in your circumstance. God, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't see it in front of me. I don't see how it could happen. But if you'll get in his presence and you'll worship and you'll submit to what he says to you, he'll make something out of nothing. Get in his presence and you'll see with certainty that is not otherwise possible. A third and final observation today is that spiritual vision comes when we believe God's promise. I'm gonna ask the musicians to come back and join us. In your Bibles, look at Joshua 6, one through two. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out. None came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hands with its king and its mighty men of valor. There's a juxtaposition here in Joshua 6, 1 and 2. Verse 1 says that Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out, none came in. So what are we seeing here? Nothing has changed. Nothing's changed from before. It's an impossible task. It's an impenetrable wall. There's no one going in and there's no one going out. And then verse two. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. There it is again, vision, see. It's obviously not a physical vision that God is talking about. Because 
the landscape looks the same. God's saying, see the way I see it with a spiritual certainty. Look what I, God, have already done. This battle is already fought and this battle is already won. There are battles in your life. They won't be won without being in the presence of God. But when you get in the presence of God, he fights the battle, he wins the battle. It's already won. On the one hand, for Joshua and the Israelites, nothing has changed. The wall's still there. On the other hand, everything has changed. God says, look, I've already done it. I've given them into your hand. Don't make the mistake of thinking that just because you didn't see any change after you prayed, that no change took place. What is God's promise to us? What are some of God's promises to us? I mean, you could just start to go down the list, right? If we call, he will answer. When you pray, God is listening. In his presence, there is freedom. Fear not, for I am with you. Keep praying and there'll be victory. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans to what? To prosper you. Just go down the list. There's thousands of promises in scripture. How about this one? I will build my church. That's a promise. God says that. You know, we as a church right now, we're praying, God, what's next for the church? What's the new normal? You know, you could worry about that and have great anxiety. You could try and figure that out on your own or try and make something happen on your own. But instead of all that, you could also pray. You could get in God's presence. We could ask for unity of heart as a people, right? We could ask God for, for encouragement and for contagious enthusiasm. How about this? Like what Romans 8.15 says in the message, we would ask for adventurous expectation. You know, the Bible says this resurrection life isn't, isn't a grave-tending life. It's one of adventurous expectation. That's what God wants in our hearts. To see with spiritual vision and with heavenly certainty, you need to embrace his promises and live like they're already happening. Look at what Israel had to do to put feet to the promise that was before them. Joshua 6, 1 through 5. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. What kinds of instructions are these? Are these battle instructions? They don't sound like the world's greatest battle strategy for taking down the world's hardest city to me. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. Remember that wall? It won't even be there. You'll just go straight up before you. What is all this? It's a physical act of faith motivated by believing in a spiritual promise. God says, here's the promise and here's what's gonna happen and here's what you do because 
Faith without works is dead. That's what James says. So when God makes a promise and, and you spend time in his presence and you feel direction on something, there's a good chance you're gonna need to take a step of faith to walk into that promise. What do you need to see today? What do you need God to reveal to you by being in his presence and submitting to his plan for your life? I'll tell you this, the answer is gonna start with you being in God's presence. I'd like everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads as we conclude today. We're gonna spend some time in a moment in the presence of God as a church. I mean, we're better, right? We're here. You got a great worship team ready to lead you in worship. And we have some space down here we would, we would refer to as an altar. If you're unfamiliar with that, it's a biblical term. An altar is a place where you go to sacrifice something and give something to the Lord. Where you go to seek the presence of God and the answers of God. And so it's nothing weird if you're kind of new to this and you're like, What's, why are we going to an altar? You're going to an altar for sacrifice. And in a moment, as we worship together, I wanna to challenge you as a church for whatever it is that you are saying, God, I need help. I need to see how this is gonna go. I need an answer. I need your help. I need a breakthrough. I don't see how it's gonna happen that you would take a step of faith you would put feet to the faith, just like the people of Israel. They walked around a city seven times. I'm gonna say, would you walk down to this altar and would you spend time in worship before the Lord and put before him that thing or those things about you or your family or this church or whatever it is that God has on your heart. And you would say, God, I'm gonna spend time in your presence and I'm gonna ask that you fill me with your spirit and with a spiritual sight that I don't have right now. It could also be that you're here today and you're, you're hearing the message and you're saying, I don't have any of that spiritual sight. I don't, I, I don't even have a grain of sand worth of, of knowing what God would want for my life. I, I, don't, I mean, I've heard of God, I don't even, but I don't know God personally. The Bible says, if you wanna know him personally, you, you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, God's son. He died for your sins so that you'd be forgiven. The Bible says that you can believe that in your heart and you can say it with your mouth. You can, you can pray and say, Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross and you rose from the grave. I believe you're the son of God. Will you forgive me of my sin? If you do that and you mean it in your heart, the Bible says you're saved. You're, you're rescued and redeemed from your sin. And, the, and God's Holy Spirit starts to live in you is what the Bible says. And he will guide you and lead you and help you. You say, I want that help. Well, I don't blame you. I do too. And if that's you today and you need to know Jesus Christ, then some of our pastors and deacons and some of our prayer team, they're gonna be off on the sides down here. And when we have a moment of worship here, I'm gonna ask you to come forward in a step of faith and say, will you pray for me? I need to know Jesus. So I'm gonna ask everyone to stand this morning as we prepare to worship. And as the worship team starts to sing, you just come, you, take, you put feet to your faith and you say, God, I, I know what I'm supposed to do and it is to take a step of faith. Lord, will you reveal and will you make clear
clear to me? Will you give me a spiritual sight that I don't have right now? I don't know what your thing or things are, but I know if you get in the presence of God that he'll answer you in a way that you wouldn't get any other way than being in his presence. So as the worship team begins to play, just start to come. Pastors and and, uh, deacons and prayer team, I'm gonna ask you to come. And church, just start to come. Spend time in the presence of God and let him speak to your heart in the way that only God can. Come now if you need the Lord and you need spiritual sight, come now and receive from God.
We know it is, it is only by the empowerment of your spirit that, that we will be able to move into the new normal and that we will be able to be the kind of Christians that you need us to be, that this world desperately needs. Spirit-empowered, seeing by the Spirit of God people. Lord, I pray for those who've come forward and, and in faith said, Lord, I need to see with spiritual eyes. Lord, for those today who have asked for a forgiving, redeeming relationship with you in their lives, I pray for lasting spiritual transformation. God, I lift up this church to you. And together we pray for your hand upon this church. May this church have its strongest and greatest days yet ahead. God, put your hand on us, fill us with your spirit and empower us to do great works by the spirit, to see great things happen by your spirit, Lord. It is your plan. We know it and we want to be a part. God, put your hand upon us. Would you bless us? Would you help us? We will be a people committed to worship and spending time in your presence and calling out to you for the things of God, for your heart to be expressed and manifested in this place. We love you, Lord, and we need you. We ask these things in your name and everyone would say, amen, amen. Well, God is good. May he bless you today in your coming and in your going. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night at the prayer gathering and we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us for our live streams at the 9 or 11 a.m. at live.pcctoday.com.